0: Born to be wild, our theme for the month. How many know that, men, we were created to be wild? Not wild in sin, as the world says, but wild in adventure, wild in risk, wild in doing something significant and great for God. That's the way God made us is wild adventurers. Look at the men in the Bible. Look at David's mighty men fighting armies of thousands by themselves. One guy fought so long, the Bible says his hand clung, froze to the sword. He fought so long. I mean, wild men. You look at the disciples, they were wild. Our goal is to build a men-centered church, not a male-dominated church, not a chauvinistic church. We are anti-chauvinistic here at Coastline. Listen, women, I don't want you to think that this series is about male domination. It's not. It's about building healthy men, building a church that has a healthy sense of masculinity as well as a healthy sense of femininity. Because the problem in America today, churches are overly feminine, and the males that show up are oftentimes emasculated men. There's, there's, there's no real sense of masculinity in churches today. So I don't want you to have a concept or an idea that we're trying to build a male-dominated church or a chauvinistic church. In fact, it's quite the opposite. What we want to do at Coastline is build strong men and strong women who work in partnership together for the gospel. Partnership together. In their... See, my wife and I are a team. We work together. You know, we're together in our family, we're together in our parenting, we're together in life. It's about having a healthy partnership of a strong woman and a strong man. Because what you see in the church today is a lot of strong women, but you don't see a lot of strong men anymore in the church. We see churches today that are absent of men. They're just, men just aren't showing up anymore. And I don't understand why. You look at The disciples, you look at the group that Jesus assembled. Look at this, Mark chapter 3 with me. I love this. Mark chapter 3, verse 13 through 17. I don't know if I, I didn't give them the scripture in time to get a slide for it. But if you have a Bible, look at me. If not, just trust me that what I'm saying is actually in the Bible. Mark 3, verse 13. Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. These are the 12 that he chose. Look at this. Simon, whom he named Peter. We all know Peter. Peter's the guy that had a cussing problem. He was a career fisherman, a sailor. He had anger issues. He, 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 he tried to cut a guy's ear off with the sword, just got terrible aim to it. I mean, no, I mean, we know he wasn't aiming for the ear. So you got Peter. He's one of the 12 that Jesus called. Then you got these two guys, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them the sons of thunder. I mean, what were these brothers like for Jesus to say, listen, I know you're the sons of Zebedee, but I got a much better nickname for the two of you boys. We're calling you guys the sons of thunder. I mean, this is the disciples. These are the men in the Bible. These are the guys that left everything to follow Jesus. So what's the problem with the, why are we losing men in the church today? You know, Jesus had this ability to magnetize the most macho, crazy, wild, sons of thunder type of guys, and yet we can't even get guys to wake up on Sunday morning most of the time. This church is an anomaly that for the last few weeks, we've actually had just about more men than women or equal men and women in our church, which is remarkable because most churches don't experience this. Edward Deming, a businessman, he once wrote, Your system is perfectly designed to give you the results that you are getting. Your system is perfectly designed to give you the results that you're getting. How many know if you have a car assembly line, you're, you're manufacturing cars, and every third car comes out with the bumper upside down, you don't get mad at the bumper. You get mad at the system. The system was designed to create those errors, good or bad. Your system is perfectly designed for the results that we're getting. So what is it about the church system in America today that is losing men? How will we design the system of church today? Because you have to understand there's a lot of things that are are cultural that aren't necessarily biblical. Now, most of what we do in church is cultural. We're just looking for the best way to... apply biblical principles to the culture and the world that we live in. The problem with most churches is we're applying biblical cultural principles from the 1950s to the church in 2011. The question we need to be asking the Holy Spirit is what are the biblical methods that you want us to apply in 2011? Not what are the methods that worked in 2005 or 2001 or 1985 or, or 1950 or in the 1800s. What are you doing today? What is the system that you have given us today? Because obviously the system that we have isn't working because we're losing men at an unprecedented rate. We're losing them. The results we're getting in modern America. Just look, look at the next slide with me real quick. These are some of the results in America today. There we go. Uh, I, know, I know not all of you can read these slides. That may mean God is speaking to you to help us get bigger screens, these little TVs just aren't cutting it. We, we are, folks, working on trying to get bigger screens here. This week, U.S. churches will draw 11 to 13 million more women than men. Fact. The average church in America is 61% female and 39% male. Fact. A quarter of married, church-going women regularly worship without their husbands. Fact. Look at the next slide with me. This should shock you right now. Up to 90% of boys being raised in church today will abandon church by age 20. That should absolutely shock you. 90%. Nine out of 10 young men growing up in the church today will abandon it by age 20. That's a fact. Young single men are an endangered species in church today. Two-thirds of church volunteers are women. Few churches can develop or maintain a thriving, growing, healthy men's ministry. These are facts that should shock us, that should alarm us about the system we have designed in America today. Look at the next slide with me. This should really motivate you to help us get bigger screens. Let me read this to you. Let me read this. This is the only slide with words this small. Let me read this to you. Women are more likely in church than men, 100% to be involved in discipleship, 57% to participate in Sunday school, 54% to participate in a small group, 46% to disciple others, 39% to have devotional time, 33% to volunteer, 29% to read the Bible, 29% to attend church, 29% to share their faith, 23% to donate money, 16% to pray more likely to do those things than men so why are we losing men is it because people say well men men don't like organized religion men don't like organization let's look at the next slide well is that true <laughs> go to a golf tournament and tell me that men don't like organized events they say well uh, men don't like crowds that's why we're losing them in church <laughs> tell me a man doesn't want to be at the super bowl on Super Bowl Sunday, with 100,000 people screaming his head out. They say, well, men just aren't emotional as women. They don't like emotion. That's why they don't come to church. Well, if you've ever been to a Raider game and sat in the black hole with the Raider nation, you will see men who are the most emotional freaks of nature you have ever seen in your life. So don't tell me that men aren't emotional. Well, they say, well, men just aren't as religious as women are. Well, the truth is Hinduism, Buddhism, and Judaism experience no similar gender gaps. Christianity is the only world religion experiencing a gender gap between men and women. In fact, if you are Islamic, a Muslim man, it it actually enhances your manhood to follow Allah if you're a Muslim man. Yet in the church today, we are losing men at an alarming rate. So the question has to be asked, well, what about the early church? What about back in the times of Jesus? Well, we saw the type of guys that followed Jesus. I mean, commercial fishermen. You know, if you go to Alaska, a lot of commercial fishermen, they make all of their money in two weeks. All of, they'll make $75,000 for the entire year in two weeks. Here Jesus is walking along the shore, sees two commercial fishermen with the biggest catch they've ever had, all these fish. I mean, this is income for an entire year. Jesus looks at these guys. He said, drop your net and follow me, and they did it. So what was it about Jesus that could go up to some of the roughest, manliest, macho, uh, uh, just crazy, wild men, get them to drop everything and follow him, and yet in the church today, we can't attract men. We're losing men at an alarming rate. Look at these facts. Men are interested in God. Whether you know it or not, men are very interested in God. If you go to a mall, if you go to a major sporting event, and you ask 100 men whether or not they believe in God, 90 of them will say yes. Five out of six men in America will call themselves Christian. But the sad reality is only two out of six will be found in church on any given Sunday. This is the fact. Men love God, but they want nothing to do with the church. That's just the fact. Men in America, they have no problem with God. But most men, the average man in America just doesn't want anything to do with the church. Why? Because the culture is not conducive to men. Church culture in America is just not conducive to men. Today's church culture values safety over risk. It's true. We value safety over risk. We value stability over change. We don't want anything to change. We don't want there to be risk. We don't want there to be adventure. We value preservation over expansion. Let's just keep our little group. We're happy in our little group. We don't need to expand. We don't need to conquer. We don't need to reach the lost. We value predictability over adventure. Let me give you another fact about men men want to win. Man, I I don't know how many of you have ever played board games with your husbands or wives, but my wife and I almost go through divorce proceedings every time we play a board game. Why? Because I'm competitive. I want to win. I mean, I will cheat at Monopoly to win. I I will do whatever it takes to get the advantage, to get the edge. Men want to win at whatever we do. Men won't continually do something they're not good at. They just won't. If, If men can't be reasonably well at something, they'll stop doing it. They're not going to show up to something they're not, they're not created to do. And the problem is, in the American church system, we make it hard for men to win because all the skills you need to be, quote, unquote, good at church are designed for women. Now, again, for those of you that are having a hard time with this message, I'm stereotyping things. So if you don't fit into the stereotype, it's okay. Okay. I'm talking about the stereotypical man, the stereotypical women where the majority of men fit into and the majority of women fit into. So let's look at some of the skills you need to be good at church and see if church is designed for men or designed for women. Let's look at the first one. Actually, let's, let's go through our candidates. We have Tom and Tina in church. Tina, she's raised Methodist. She received Christ in 84. She's active in mops, choir, women's Bible study. Her favorite author is Joyce Meyer. Favorite thing about church, women's group. Let's look at Tom. Tom, raised Baptist, uh, received Christ in 81. He's active in mission work. He serves on the building committee. Favorite author, doesn't read. Favorite thing about church, good sermons. So we got Tom and Tina, the stereotypical man, the stereotypical woman in America today. Let's see how well they do in the modern church system. Skill number one, reading. This is the fact. Men are diagnosed with reading disorders at four times the rate of women. That's the fact in America today. There's a lot of reading in Sunday school. I don't know last time you've been to a Sunday school class, but turn the Bible to here and please read this verse and read this page. You know, if you put a man on the spot to read something in Sunday school, you got to realize one out of four men struggle with reading. So right now we're designing it for women to perform well, for men to perform less well. So already we got Tina one, Tom two. Sunday school number two, speaking and expressing ideas. Fact, the average woman speaks twenty to 25,000 words a day where the average man speaks seven to 10,000 words a day. They're in a lot of our marital problems. (laughs) Sunday school is about speaking and expressing ideas. You want to be expressive. You want to talk. How many men have ever heard, you don't talk enough? Now, am I giving you license... (laughs) Now, now, listen carefully. I'm not giving you license to not learn how to communicate because, man, this is an area we need to work hard on. You can't just say, well, that's just the way I was made and not doing it. If you want to have a healthy marriage, you want to have a good marriage, learn how to communicate. My wife will tell you it's not my forte. It's not my gift at home. We have to work really hard, and, and, and I've got to actually go out and try to figure out how can I learn how to communicate? How can I learn to talk? Because I'm just not naturally gifted. at It doesn't give me an excuse not to learn, but it's just that I'm not naturally gifted at it. Sunday school, let's go to number three. Bible knowledge. fact, women are 29% more likely to read their Bibles regularly than men. So the questions we ask in Sunday school are designed where women naturally know the answers more than men know. That's just the truth. So right now we've got Tina at three, Tom at zero. Let's go to the next Sunday school skill. Finger dexterity. What does this have to do with church? Have you ever tried to turn the page of those little delicate Bible? That's why I have an iPad in my Bible on the iPad because I can't do those little pages. I mean, here you got Tom, and he's got these sausages at the end of his hand trying to turn the page of the Bible. You know, you sit in Sunday school, turn to Lamentations chapter 3, verse 12, and Tom is, you know, it's like wearing a baseball glove trying to turn a Bible. And Tina's got these nice little fingers, and boom, got it. See, men, back in the early days, we had scrolls. It wasn't Bibles. It was scrolls. You just rolled it out and read. It was much easier back then. All right, let's look at the next skill, socializing. Women are much more likely to say that relationships are their top priority in life. You got Tom standing in the corner. You got Tina performing well. (laughs) Somebody just hit their husband in the side. That was funny. I'm not going to mention who it was, but... If You could only see what I see from up here. So we got Tina scoring off the scale. Next one, hugging. Fact, many men are uncomfortable with man-to-man hugging. You know, we don't want to walk into church with sweaty brother Barry coming up trying to give you a bear hug your first time at church. Men just don't like man-to-man hugging. Now, does that mean men don't like hugging? No, because if you watch a Super Bowl, you watch an NBA Finals, you watch a World Series, you'll see men crying, slobbering, hugging on each other. But it's because they were in battle together. They sweat together. They lost blood together. You see at the end of war movies, in the end of a battle, you'll see men hugging and celebrating with it. So it's not that men are against hugging. Men just are against hugging strangers. Men are against hugging people they haven't sweat with, they haven't lost blood with, they haven't fought with, they haven't been in the trenches with. So if you haven't been in the trenches with someone, they just don't want you to come up and hug them. I mean, they, they just don't know what's going on. That's just, all right, Tina's doing really well, Tom not so well. Next one, singing. Men are generally more self-conscious about singing aloud unless they have a really terrific voice. That's why we have Ed play drums as loud as he can possibly can to drown out all of our voices. Why? Because if you have soft music and and, and everyone can hear you singing, how many know men don't like it? Because most men don't have the greatest singing voices in the world. And and most men are self-conscious about their singing voice. So if men feel like everyone around them is going to be hearing their voice, they're either going to stop singing or stop coming. What's the next one? Showing emotion. Men are less comfortable showing emotion in public than women are. That's just the truth. And we make church all about showing emotion, tears, crying. Watch Christian television. You got all these people crying and getting all emotional and carrying on. Men just aren't as comfortable sharing emotion in public. I mean, you don't talk about you, you're walking out in public, you see a woman crying. Men, what do we do? We're like, oh, I wonder what's wrong with her. I wonder if she's okay. You see a guy crying in public, you're like, dude, what's his problem? I mean, that's just the truth. It's just the way, I'm not saying right or wrong. It's just the way we were made. What's the next one? Holding hands. Men aren't wild about holding hands with the dude sitting next to them. How many of you ever heard a pastor say, would you take the hand of the neighbor sitting next to you? Sometimes people are like, I wish I could punch this pastor out for saying that. I don't want to hold hands with this guy. I don't even know him. I don't even know if he washed his hands after the bathroom. I'm not holding his hands. We'll hold hands with our wives, but I'm not holding hands with this sweaty dude sitting next to me. Let I me mean, you know what I'm talking about. See, we design women, we design church for men just to lose in. What's the next one? Sitting still. Let I me mean, know men have 10 times the testosterone that women do. It's hard for men to sit. In fact, right now, all the men, just stand up and stretch out real quick. Just stand up right now. Doesn't that feel good? Doesn't that feel great? Stretch out a little bit. Ugh. Just get that. Mid-service breakouts. Next one. Attention span. Okay, here we are, Tom. Tom and Tina, five minutes into church. Let's see how they do. Let's go to 10 minutes into church. (laughs) 10 minutes into church. Tina looks like a statue. Let's go to 15 minutes in. There we go, 15 minutes into church. Let's go to the 20-minute mark. There's the 20-minute mark. Let's hit the 25-minute mark. Somebody call... And EMT. The average male has six to eight minute attention span. That's why we design 30 minute shows with commercials. (laughs) How many of you understand where I'm going and what I'm saying? The final score, Tina 48, Tom zero. Tom just doesn't do well in church. It's not designed for him. It's out of free. Now listen, they both love God. They're both born again. They both, they both know Jesus, but the reality is most churches today are finely tuned for Tina's needs and Tom is completely out of frequency with most churches today. It just doesn't work. It doesn't fit into where, where he was created for. And then we've got children's churches and Sunday schools that we design for little girls to succeed and thrive, and we design Sunday school for little boys to absolutely fail and get disconnected. That's why 90% of boys leave church by the age of 20, because they don't see it as relevant. They don't see any need. They don't have the same verbal skills. You know, neurologists, studies by neurologists show that in reading centers of boys' brains, they mature two years behind girls. All of Sunday school is about reading and turning in your Bible to this page. And so basically, boys go on a six-year losing streak in Sunday school, completely designed for them to fail, completely designed for the girl to outshine the boy. And how many know men we like to win? If we're not winning, we lose interest and we quit. And so we design church for children where boys completely lose interest, boys don't do well, they don't perform well, and they begin to believe church just isn't for me, it's for mom. I don't see dad doing well in church. I don't see dad showing up to church all the time. And so I think this is for the ladies. It's for the moms, and they just kind of zone out of church. Look at the next slide with me. See, Sunday school systems ensure that boys when Images of Jesus guarantee that boys will lose interest. This picture of Jesus was taken out of a popular children's church book. This is what I call metrosexual Jesus. I mean, how many of you men just want to drop everything and follow him?? I mean, I mean, even Jesus is embarrassed by this picture. He's up in heaven going, "Oh man!" I mean, let's be honest. Soft, sensitive, sweet-looking Jesus. Look at the next one. Here Jesus is playing with children. We teach children that Jesus loves the little children, and he does. Don't misunderstand me. He loves the little children. But the problem is when we train young boys that Jesus is all about children, something happens in a boy when he grows up. If you've ever been to a college dorm room and you look at the walls on a boy's room, it's pictures of sports stars, cars, motorcycles, beer, women. I mean, boys put their childhood behind them. Even the apostle Paul said, when I was a child, I acted like a child. I spoke like a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. See, the difference between boys and girls is girls celebrate their childhood all throughout life. You go to a girl's dorm room in college, she'll have pictures of her father and pictures of her childhood, maybe a teddy bear. I mean, my mom in her late 50s still collects dolls. I mean, girls celebrate their childhood their entire life. Boys put it away. So when boys are are taught continually that Jesus is all about children, when they grow up, they begin to disconnect and say, well, that's not for me anymore. That's for mom. I'm growing out of that phase. I'm growing out of churches for when I'm little, but when I grow up, church isn't relevant to me anymore. Look at the next photo. There Jesus is carrying a bunch of sheep around. How many know in the Bible, Jesus never carried sheep? Jesus was a carpenter. He was a contractor. He was on a construction crew. Jesus never carried sheep around. And and, and the other thing I don't understand is how, how... We've actually made one of the manliest, toughest, brutal occupations alive today look feminine. I mean, no, being a shepherd was not a feminine job. It was dirty. It was ugly. You're fighting off wild beasts. You're out in the middle of nowhere. You're sleeping outside. We're making shepherding looking feminine and sweet and sensitive. It's so funny in churches today. I hear people all the time, I want a pastor who's a shepherd. Let's be real honest. You don't want a shepherd. You want a veterinarian. Come on, let's, let's be real honest. You want, a vet, you, want a, you want someone you can sit inside a nice, cozy, comfortable office, somebody to coddle you and care for you and treat you. and ta- You want a male version of Oprah as a pastor. You don't want a shepherd that's, get, that's out in the dirty, wild, that's going to get you from point A to point B, that's going to lead you, that's going to guide you, that's going to kick your butt to get you into gear sometimes. We don't really want to, I mean, anyways, I'm going to move on before I get myself in trouble. So how did this happen? How did, how did the church become what it is today? This, this, this culture that is feminized, that appeals to women over men, what happened? Well, if you study about 150 years ago in America, back during the Victorian era, back during the Industrial Revolution in America, men had to go find work. So men went off to factories. They went off to coal mines. They went off to the fields and ranches. Men went off to war. And so what happened in America is churches were left empty and devoid of men. Churches became predominantly female and children and older people because the men were off finding work. And so naturally what pastors began to do is pastors began to tailor their ministry around their audience and rightfully so. That's why if you read sermons from the 1700s, they were very masculine. They were manly. You read things about sinners in the hands of angry God. You read things about sacrifice and surrender and, and giving your all for God and adventure. And then in the 1800s, things became very flowery. They became very sweet. They became very sensitive. I mean, only in the church today can footprints in the sand be considered good poetry. I mean, that's the reality. Pastors became soft, they became like therapists. Pastors became counselors. Pastors lost that that drive and that desire. Let's charge hell with a group of men with a squirt gun. I mean, they lost that adventurous spirit. They lost the risk-taking attitude. They lost that leadership ability, and they became soft. In fact, this is a true fact. Men that enter ministry today exhibit characteristics that are feminine. They are more verbal. They are more expressive, and they are more sensitive. Men who go into ministry today. And the reality is most guys don't respect men who are overly verbal, overly expressive, or overly sensitive. See, when a man comes into a church and he begins to sense that this is a female endeavor, men don't do feminine. So they begin to take a pass on church. They begin to say, this isn't for me. And more than ever, churches are giving up on reaching men. They're tailoring their ministries around women. They're tailoring, let's reach the needs of the women. And again, please understand, women, we are all about women in this church. We want godly women in this church. But the reality is you are never going to benefit until we build godly men in this church. Because there's a lot of you tired of coming to church without your husband because your husband doesn't think church is for them. So we need to have a church that appeals to the masculine side of men as well as a church that appeals to the feminine side of women. And if you do that, both sides benefit. Because there's single moms in our church right now, single women in our church right now that need a godly man. And if they're not in church, they're going to go out, find another deadbeat guy out in the world and wind up single all over again unless the church becomes a factory to begin to make and build godly men. Do you understand what I'm saying? Put up the next chart. Now, what characteristics best describe the true followers of Jesus Christ? What what values best describe those who truly follow Jesus? Look at the left set. Competence, power, efficiency, achievement, skills, proving oneself, accomplishment, objects, goal-oriented, success, competition. Now, look at the right side. Love, communication, beauty, relationships, support, help, nurturing, feeling, sharing, relating, harmony. Which side best represents those who follow Jesus, the left side or the right side? Well, if you ask most people today, they'll tell you the right side. They'll tell you the right side best represents those who follow Jesus. Now one day, go back and read your Bible and see what side Jesus landed on most of the time. Look at the way Jesus dealt with his disciples. Look at the way Jesus dealt with the, I I can't really think of one time in the Bible that Jesus was nurturing. Now he showed mercy, he showed grace, but can you think of one time he was really nurturing in the Bible? Now, Now are we again, no. So what's the reality? The reality is both. Both of these are characteristics of true followers of Christ. The problem is we have made the left set feel like it's worldly and carnal and the right set is godly and spiritual and because of that, men feel like church isn't for them. You know where we got these? This is from the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. These are the average values of the average male. These are the values of an average female. So what happens in the church today? Because we say the right set best represents the followers of Jesus Christ. Women without being regenerated, women without going through the transformation of the Holy Spirit, women without being born again show up to church and are already ahead and are already more Christ-like without ever accepting Christ. Because their natural values, we tell people, are more godly and more Christ-like. And we tell men that if you are achievement-oriented, if you are goal-oriented, if you are success-driven or goal-oriented, it is wrong, it is bad, it is unhealthy. And so men lose connection with the church. But the reality is you study the Bible, you look at Jesus, you look at his interaction with the disciples, goal-oriented. Jesus said, go make disciples. Now, if that's not goal-oriented, I don't know what is. There is nothing wrong with the way God created men. There is nothing ungodly or uns... Now listen, anything in your life taken to an extreme becomes unhealthy. You can be so success-driven that you become a workaholic and destroy your marriage and destroy your children. That is an unhealthy version of of a healthy quality. Being success-driven is healthy, but everything that is healthy can become unhealthy if you push it to extreme. So understand what I'm saying. You can be goal-driven. You can be achievement-oriented and it be healthy. But if you push it to an extreme, it will become unhealthy, destroy your marriage, destroy your relationship with your children, destroy your family. But what I want you to see, men, is the way God made you is normal. And the way God made you, he made you for a reason. He wants you to be that way. He has no problem with you being that way. He has no problem with you being driven. But the problem in the church is we have made everything so feminine. I mean, we use feminine language for everything that we do. We say family of God. Why don't you join the family of God? Let me ask you, how many times did Jesus say family of God? Zero. How many, decide, how many times did Jesus say kingdom of God? Over 80. Jesus never said join the family of God. He said come and surrender and submit and serve the kingdom of God. How many know kingdom of God is more masculine than family of God? We say things like, Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with you. And I'm guilty. I've said that my whole life. I mean, we don't say that about guys. I don't say I want to have a personal relationship with Marco. I say I want to hang out with Marco. I want to get to know Marco. He's a good guy. I love to chill with him. We talk about sharing feelings in church. When's the last time your boss called you into his office and said, would you just share your feelings with me? When's the last time you were out surfing and the guy sitting on the board next to you says, hey, man, why don't you share your feelings with me? Men don't do it. Men's like, hey, man, what's up? I mean, that's about it. That's a long conversation for a man. What's up? How you doing? I mean, that's it. You know, we, we, we play Jesus is my boyfriend music for worship. You know what I'm saying? Hold me close to you. Never let me go. I'm sorry, but a guy doesn't want to sing that to another guy, even if it is Jesus. I mean, let's be honest. He's a boy. I'm a boy. You know, I'm not, I don't want to get romantically involved with you. I want to know him. And yes, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, people. We need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to know him Intimately. So don't misunderstand, but Jesus never said, come have a personal, he said, follow me. That was very, I mean, that was, that's about as dominant as you can get, drop what you're doing and follow me. Come and surrender, serve me, and we'll do something great together, we'll achieve something together, we'll do something awesome, we'll do something that's significant. Jesus wasn't sweet and sensitive and soft like all the paintings make him look like. He was tough with the disciples. I mean, read some of the stories sometime and ask yourself, did Jesus best have the left set of characteristics, or was he more of the right set of characteristics? You'll see a few of the right set in Jesus, but predominantly, you'll see the left set in him. Why? Because he was a man. He was flesh and blood man, just like you. See, let me tell you something else. Men and women like different movies. I mean, know the movies that women like are, 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 are where the, 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 they ride away at the end of the sunset. They reunite. It's wonderful. The man is real sensitive. He's the most romantic, loving, and dear. Men don't like. Look at the movies men like. Men want to see heroes who save the world against impossible odds. Men want to see things blow up. Men want to see things burn down. Men want to see victories. They want to see accomplishments. They want to see, you know, sport movies, achievement at the end. So what am I saying? I'm saying we need to have both in the body of Christ. I don't want this to be a male-dominated church. I don't want this to be a chauvinistic church. I mean, don't try to be chauvinistic here. We'll shut you down. Because it's not about chauvinism. It's about a healthy partnership of strong women and strong men, godly men, men of integrity, men of power, men who love their wives, men who love their children. Men who are committed to risk, men who are committed to adventure, men who are committed to achieving great things for God. See, and I promise you, women, if you'll stick into this church, it'll be relevant for you. You're going to have teaching that benefits you, but more than that, you're going to have godly husbands at home. You're going to have men that know how to love you God's way. Now, yes, we're still growing. We're still learning how to communicate. We're still, we, there's still areas, men, that we need to work on, but the reality is you need to be comfortable in your skin at church. You need to be comfortable being a man here. The house of God should be the one place you go to where you can find your greatest joy, your greatest excitement, your greatest passion, your greatest adventure, your greatest risk. It's an adventure up here with all these stands. And so as we close this morning, as we're beginning this this month of why men hate church, I'm asking the men of our church to commit to me something for the next month, for the month of June. I want you to do three things. I want you to make three commitments, and I'm going to make this bold. I'm not going to make this easy for you. You're going to have to be bold to make these commitments. Number one, I want you to lead your family in prayer once a day. I want you to lead your family, whether it's at the dinner table, uh, you know, if, if it's just you and your wife at home, then you lead in prayer. A lot of times, you know, we get to the dinner table, and a lot of husbands have the wife pray. You know, that's mom's thing. Mom's the prayer person. No, men, we need to be spiritual leaders in our home. And I'm not talking about this this whole philosophy, well, wives submit to your husband. You know, the problem with that is that's Ephesians 5.21. Wives submit to your husband. The problem with that is most men never read Ephesians 5.20, the very first verse, which says submit to one another. See, it says submit to one another before it ever says, wives, submit to your husband. There's a mutual submission in marriage that takes place. But there are roles that each of us need. And men need to become the spiritual leaders in the homes. Do you realize this is a true statistic? If a wife serves God, 17% of the family will serve God. If a husband serves God, 93% of the family will serve God. Men, that should tell you how critical your role is as a spiritual leader to show your, your children need to see prayer from you. There was a young soldier that I read about in the Korean War who won the Medal of Honor for leading a charge in one of the most difficult battles. And he was in the trenches in charge of his unit I was watching his clock the entire time. And as soon as his clock hit 3 p.m., he stood up with his men, yelled, charged. They ran into the face of battle and won an incredible victory. When they interviewed him afterwards, why did you wait till three? What was it about three that was significant? He said, my mom told me every morning when she woke up at 7 a.m. her time, which was 3 p.m. our time, she would be praying for me. And the prayer from his mother gave him the courage to win an incredible battle and war. But the question I want to ask is where was his father? Where was his father? Why wasn't it his father that was praying for him every morning at 7 a.m.? I'm not saying you know moms shouldn't pray. Moms need to pray. But so do dads. Dads need to be praying as much as moms are praying. See, it's not about having a a strong man and a weak woman or a strong woman and a weak man. It's about having a strong man of God and a strong woman of God partnering together to raise a godly family. And the beauty of the church in America is we have some awesome women of God in the church of America. We've got some strong women in the church of America. But what I want to see is some strong men step to the plate. So the three commitments, number one, pray with your family once a day. Number two, fathers, dads, men, every single day, verbally, out loud, I want you to tell your children that you love them. Every day for the next month. If you have to call them on the phone because they're not with you, if you can tell them face to face, if they're out of the country and you have to send an email, send it once a day and tell your children out loud, verbally, I love you. They need to hear that from their dads. They need to hear that from the fathers. It may be uncomfortable for you. You may not done it in a while. It may not be normal for you. And then the third thing I'm asking the men to commit to do is every day again, out loud, verbally, you need to tell your children, I bless you. Children need a blessing from their father. They need to know they have their father's blessing. doesn't mean you condone their lifestyle if your kid's not saved. But it does mean that you are blessing them. They need to hear out loud, verbally, I bless you, son. I bless you, daughter. There's power. Study it biblically. There's power to the blessing of the father. That's why this year on Father's Day, we're doing baby dedication on Father's Day. We're dedicating all of our children on Father's Day because I want the men in this church to be able to speak a blessing to their children as we dedicate them. Because there's something powerful. We may have kids up to 15 years old being dedicated this Father's Day that have never been dedicated by their dads. Never had a blessing spoke over to them by their dads. If you need to dedicate your child this year, make sure to sign up at the connection table. Three things. Lead your family in prayer. Tell your children every single day for this month, I love you. And tell your children every single day this month, I bless you. Whatever you have to do to get it done, you need to do it. They need to hear it. The blessing from the Father gives a child confidence, gives a child security, and actually will translate to the Father. You want your children to love God? Let them see God's love in you. And it'll begin to translate through to the Father. It'll begin to bring their heart and connect it with the heart of the Father. As you begin to represent God's heart to your children, you will connect your children to the heart of God. So the men in this church that want to make a commitment to do that with me, because I'm a man, I'm going to do it too. You want to make that commitment for the month of June, I want you to stand up with me. Stand up with me. If you're a single man, you're like, I'm not married. I don't have kids. Well, this is your commitment. You can commit to pray for your future children if you're planning on it, or you can commit to pray for other children. So this is open to all the men. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bless the men of our church. I bless them, God. I release them to be men. I release them to be exactly the way you created them, the way you've designed them, God. God, we're not born to be wild in a sense of sin, God, but we're born to be wild in a sense of adventure. So I release these men to be wild for you, to be risk takers, to live with adventure, to do great things for you, God, to lead their families, to love their wives, to be great fathers. In the name of Jesus, bless them, God. Bless the men of this house. And Father, we pray for the women. The women here today praying for a husband that's not here. Give her the love, God. Give her love for her husband until the day that he fully commits to you, Lord. And we pray for those husbands that you'll draw them in draw them in God let this be a church that is comfortable for men and comfortable for women let this be a church of strong men and strong women in the name of Jesus everybody stand with me